My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. going this is steve from the park whiskey society podcast uh lost in translation i'm here with my co-host hey it's sean hey sean how's it going uh today we've got another guest for you uh someone who's someone who really i, I believe kind of controls the pulse a little bit of uh, especially the whiskey world for us when it comes to uh how it's how it's presented and, and the flow of product in and out because he represents such a large buyer in this market um, but a buyer that gets a little bit of I think maybe negative and positive press, we're on the side of supporting them because it's Alberta and the people behind it are great. And so that's why we really wanted to have Ryan Engen on this show. He's he's been a friend of Park Whiskey Society since the very beginning, and me and him have have always been chatting about about whiskeys and and it's a yeah I I, I just. Ryan, I really like you, and I love what you're doing with the bourbon, and so this, I've been really excited about getting you on the show, so wel- welcome. Yes, uh, I'm really excited to be here. I think I've um, been following your, your show since the beginning, and um, and uh, really like what you guys are doing here, talking to some fantastic guests, and hopefully I can live up to um, <laughs> live up to that as well oh you you will and you i know you know your whiskey oh. and it, we like like i said me and you have been kind of been we've been chatting whiskey for for a long time now and so i didn't mean to start the show on a negative note to <laughs> mention the but there's of every big especially every big like a big store like yourself there's there's always you're always going to have your your fans and, and the people who are not fans which is which is fine, but I I think that you guys are, I think you personally are doing such a great job, um, kind of managing the flow of new product in in and out of this market, and you know you know the market well, so I do commend you on that for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks, and you know, and it's um, I guess um, with um, negative press, so to speak, yeah. it, with uh, with a large like we're the largest um, retailer in, in Alberta. Yeah. Um, and um, with that comes, uh, we, we can do a few things that uh, that others can't if they have one one store. But there's so many fantastic retailers out there that yeah. I, I chat with a lot of um, a lot of the stores um, and uh, and I, um, I respect everything they're doing. There's a Alberta is such a great uh, whiskey market that there's room for the, the small independent retailer uh, to uh, to larger chains as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's not get too far into this because uh, we always like to start off the uh, the, the podcast and, and these interviews with uh, getting to know you and kind of your your journey and, and what led you to your position at, at Alcana. It's a, such a prestigious position, honestly. But um, let's, yeah, where did it all start for you? Yeah, so I've been in the alcohol industry pretty much my whole adult life, um, about 26 years, 27 years now. Um, started off in bars, um, bartending, um, doorman, that kind of thing, um, but I'm managing those uh, those um, those bars. Um, but uh, once I started uh, having a family, didn't want to work until four or five or anymore. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it kind of led me to um, the alcohol uh, retail side of the business and um, or the industry. And uh, so I've been with um, 
of Canon now for 16 years, started in I've had a various amount of roles, um, mostly at store level for, for the beginning. And then uh, nine years ago, I had an opportunity to take on the buying role for our company. And so I oversee um, uh, beer, um, ready to drink, and um, and most importantly, which is my passion, is, uh, is spirits and uh, whiskey in particular. So I've been doing it for for quite a long time, um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been lifelong passion of mine. It's not really I consider myself lucky to get into this position because it's not. Um, uh, it's not something you can really go to school for to, to become a, uh, a spirits buyer really. No, you gotta be, it's, it's gotta be a hobby and a passion to really like, yeah, you can, it's not like, it's not a university course you can go to learn about this kind of thing. You, you have to do the research on your own and you have to be so passionate enough to, to educate yourself, to be, to be good at what you do in this industry. You kind of have to be a, a jack of all trades. You got to know like the business side of it, the, you know, the pulse of the community and what's, you know, what's selling, what's people are looking for on yeah. top of, like you said, spirits ready to drink beers. Like it's, I'm sure it's different year round for all three kind of portfolios. Well, understanding all of the different spirits. Like we, we engulf ourselves in whiskey, which is such a vast world, but there's many different vast worlds in every single spirit category. And, and you, yeah, you got to keep your finger on the pulse of all of them, which I don't imagine is very easy. No, it's not easy, but it's also, um, it is a lot of fun. Like I'm get to taste through a lot of product products. Like whiskey is my, um, my go-to, but, um, mm -hmm. like I think tasting, uh, vodkas and rums and tequilas and, and various beers like it helps develop my palate and helps me pick out um, uh, the nuances uh, when I am um, tasting for whiskey I think um, I'm just over 3,000 different spirits tasted uh, over the course of my um, career that I've recorded so Jeez. Uh, uh, made, uh, made yeah. up. so it's uh, quite a few um and when i say taste uh, a lot of it is, is taste and uh and not consume <laughs> yeah I still try to be responsible but uh absolutely but yeah, there's uh, so many good products out there do you do you find it since we're talking about all the products do you find it difficult kind of managing those market demands and um even even like one thing i noticed about the about like certain sections or they sometimes they move around the store. So like, I'm sure there's obviously consideration going into all these different kind of nuances, but is, is that difficult to, to manage that? Yeah, it is. It is very difficult actually. Um, um, it's, we have stores all across Alberta um, and in uh, four different banners. Uh, so we have small convenience store banners in different sizes, and then we have our larger wine and beyond um, banners, which uh, where a lot of my focus is from a merchandising standpoint. And the hard part is that every store um, is different um, from city to city. Uh, we have a lot of rural locations too. Um, and we're, um, uh, and then um, even in Edmonton, as an example, from one area to another, we have totally different demographics. So it makes it challenging. Um, I lean a lot onto the stores to um, and their teams to to kind of do what's best for the customer. It's uh, mm -hmm. um, it'd be impossible for me to to um, to 
kind of cookie cutter and restore into the same same approach. But with Wine and Beyond, um, the stores are so large that um, it, it it's hard to the hard part is capturing people's attention. So that's why we move sections around, uh, move placements around, because we um, want to capture customers' attention and, uh, and show them new things or show them a category that we believe in strongly. Um, that's, that's kind of our approach. What considerations go into where a product is placed on the shelf or where it goes into a store? Um, well, I have a lot of data handy. Um, uh, so I look at um, from certain categories or certain price points, I know what um, what banner uh, certain products are going to go into uh, certain stores or certain areas. Um, but um, when it comes to shelf placement, it's usually the newer things. We want to, again, get get people's attention. So we'll we'll put it uh, front and center um, instead of hidden somewhere in the back of the store. We want them out in the open so, so customers can find them easy because Generally, customers that shop in Wine and Beyond are going there, um, not necessarily, uh, they know they want to buy something, but they just don't know what. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're, so they come in there and so it's my job and our store team's job to, to uh, put, uh, um, put the new interesting products in, in the customer's space and, and uh, hopefully they, they like what we're selecting and, mm-hmm. and buy it. It's weird. I've never done that. Walked into yeah, a no, store not tr- knowing what to buy. <laughs> I treat it like a library. I'll just go in there and casually grab things off and read it and put it back. And <laughs> I feel like I'm, I've got my hands on like 50 different things before I finally decide what I'm finally buying. But it's I, I find it fun. But we're obviously whiskey nerds, so we love to see all the new stuff that comes in and out. Yeah, <laughs> so, like our smaller locations that we have, like the liquor depots and the Ace uh, discounters, um, it's a convenience model. So customers come in, they spend uh, less than five minutes in the store. Yeah, uh, they know they want a case of Budweiser and a and a bottle of Crown Royal, and they go in, find it, and out they go. So it's a little different. We take a little bit different approach with um, with all those banners. Um, but uh, Wine and Beyond. Um, has been uh has been doing really well for us and it actually keeps me the the most busy well i I imagine i was gonna say when i go into an ace or a liquor depot and i spend more than five minutes they are all like what is this guy doing (laughs) is he gonna rob us is he like planning out the store like no i'm just like looking at every single thing you have on the shelves trying to see what you have hiding behind the Yeah. yeah exactly those those rare dusties which you can still find like some of the liquor depots around the province have there's some unique skews still sitting on shelves, collecting some dust that nobody's seen and, and ready to be scooped. And we have yeah, some. Yeah, there are. Um, like we had an approach many years ago where it was um, where we used to just force out um, uh, certain whiskeys or it was usually whiskeys and scotch, um, single malts that we'd just force into stores and we would just kind of put it everywhere. And um not really knowing or understanding that um if we put something into um uh lethbridge or innisvale or somewhere that's um um like a rural location or a smaller city it may, it may not work and so it's those locations that you can go in and and find um and find some of those dusty bottles um i do have um uh, I do have the um, reports I can pull and, and look to see where some of those are. Um, 
we probably have, I think, almost about 1,200 whiskeys in our system uh, in various uh, various locations. So uh, I can scan through and see what, uh, and if I'm going through a certain area, I'll, every once in a while I'll pick up a bottle that I haven't seen for a long time. How do I get access? Yeah, I was going to say, can you just grant (laughs) us access to this system of yours? (laughs) It would save Sean a lot of gas money. A lot of gas money. I was going to say, like, you found that, what was it, the Liquor Depot? Oh, yeah. I found a, I don't know if, I don't think I have it here, but I was just floating by an Ace Liquor on the south side of the city. Like in Edmonton. In Edmonton. (laughs) And I found a a, a old Liquor Depot selection, a Tomatin uh, PX 16 year. And it was, oh, yeah. it was like $50 on the shelf. And I was just like, uh, yes, please. Do yeah. you have any more? <laughs> nope, we don't. <laughs> but, yeah, that was one of my first uh, barrel picks. Um, I don't do a lot of scotch anymore, but, um, but yeah, that was one of my first barrel picks probably about, I say, eight years ago. And uh, it is delicious. I'm not sure if you've uh, had a chance to try I, it yet. But, uh, I haven't, no. And I actually picked up the... Um, co-op did one and I wanted to do a side-by-side just to see like old because obviously I think it was a 2000 yeah it was a 2013 or 14 I think that yeah right so I wanted to see if there was any any differences but those it's always exciting to come across a dusty like that especially with old pricing on it as well yeah. Like, <laughs> well yeah the, the pricing of, uh, of a lot of those single barrel scotches has gone through the roof now oh. it, it gets pretty uh, pretty tricky to find something that's better i'll certainly never find anything i can charge 50 dollars oh, anymore oh no well i paid three times that for the for the co-op one so it's <laughs> and it, it gets daunting for some whiskey drinkers when like he, like slowly and more and more every year, the bottom shelf whiskeys, like bourbons and stuff, are creeping. Now they've crept kind of over fifty dollars, and it's just it's just it, inflation. That's just how it is. But people get intimidated when they see bottles close to a hundred dollars, like that that everyday drinker. Uh, yeah. I probably spend an average of over a hundred, but <laughs> that's I'm a, I'm a very small percentage of the whiskey demographic. Yeah, exactly. But, but even years ago, there wasn't um, there wasn't the the prices, but there also wasn't the selection. Like when I first started yeah. in the stores, um, our bourbon section, we had um, uh, well, we had American whiskey, so we had Jack Daniels. Everyone carries that. Uh, we had Wild Turkey and Jim Beam White Label, and that was it. That was uh, <laughs> that was bourbon. That was bourbon. And um, there wasn't much more. Um, even available at that time. Um, even Irish whiskey was Jameson and, and we had two sizes and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and that was the first store I started off in Lethbridge, which was uh, a small location. Then I moved to a larger location um, in Calgary where we could start bringing in um, uh, a lot more uh, selections. So I remember getting in, uh, like Maker's Mark was, um, was available at that time. And um, I even had, um, I remember it wasn't, it wasn't very long ago, actually, well, I would say like eight, eight years ago where I remember dusting a ball of Pappy Van Winkle 20 year old on the shelf that was just sitting, just sitting there. It's about $180 uh, retail. And, um, I was like, who's going to pay this kind of price for, for a bourbon, bourbon? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, it's just crazy how uh, how those bottles go now. Well, and have you noticed 
have you noticed the because like i feel like canada's always been the scotch first kind of whiskey drinking nation but there there has been a shift and i'm sure you've noticed it because you you can tell by all the new bourbon skews that are coming into your stores it's like i feel like there's a new one every month especially recently so obviously you're seeing a shift in in drinking um preferences yeah there's i honestly don't think people are shifting away from scotch uh to bourbon i think it's just more people getting into bourbon more selection um we um well there's a few reasons for that one is uh um I kind of carved out as a strategy a, a much bigger bourbon section in, in all our stores when I took on this role because um, uh, I really believe that that was where the where the trends were were coming mm-hmm. or were going. Um, so I carved out larger sections, brought in selections, and and uh, you start getting a different uh, new customer looking at uh, what we have available. But the way we're seeing it now, um, where there is new bourbons just about every month, is that a lot of the uh, craft distillers in the U.S. are now coming of age. Uh, um, where they uh, they now have old enough bourbon where they can start uh, start expanding internationally and, mm-hmm. and also um, with the tariffs uh, at the uh, um, uh, in Europe uh, kind of uh, killed a lot of their export market so they're trying to find new uh, new places to sell uh, sell the bourbon and Canada is uh, is a great place for that yeah it is and like the bourbon boom down in the U S is it's crazy like it's going down there and trying to find a, a limited edition bottle like I, I always send pictures of, of of drink like bourbon fans that i've talked to regularly on instagram and social media i'll send pictures of blanton's on just sitting on the shelf for weeks months <laughs> and just tease them with it because <laughs> that stuff and that just shows you that we do we have it really as bourbon drinkers you have it really good up here in canada because these releases they stick around for a little bit longer and you kind of have the choice to work your way through them. You don't have to. You don't have to rush out to buy them as soon as they hit the shelf, like in the U.S. Well, like Buffalo, regular Buffalo Trace or Weller, like down there, there's states that don't even get Buffalo Trace. Yeah, they're highly allocated. <laughs> and then yeah. they see them on the bottom shelf of our like right run of the mill liquor stores, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Yeah, they go on yeah. sale for under thirty bucks Canadian." <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they're they're incredible values when you like when you think about it, and you have you just have to appreciate that. The bourbon boom is coming here and it's slowly been creeping across the border as more and more brands become available. So probably we should probably appreciate it more now because two, three years from now, it might be a different story. It might be as, as crazy as it is as down there, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the um, bourbon distilleries have uh, um, started years ago trying to increase their their output production yeah and so we are getting a lot more of those uh, uh rare bottles um like buffalo trace at one point uh, was um was even tough to get uh, in our stores but mm-hmm. uh, but recently you can get just about as much as uh, our customers want um and uh it's been um uh, and, and we're getting more and more of the highly um uh, the the van winkles and the old forest or birthday bourbons and things like that that we never used to see uh, a few years ago which i'm still waiting for my uh, golden tickets and my name to get pulled <laughs> on one of these spirits draws but it, it hasn't yet <laughs> i know uh, I, like this year was the first one that i was actually 
able like not working out of town so i was able to actually enter into it i was like oh i'm so this is my this is i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it nope (laughs) (laughs) no there's how many entries roughly do you like do you know how many entries you get on those things yeah i think this one was around four thousand entries uh, online and and they're all unique entries because we have ways to to vet the uh the processes by done by a third party so we're totally out of uh out of it we had no involvement in in the names uh, mm-hmm. and um but yeah we only had um 150 seats in each of the um uh two stores one in calgary and one in edmonton and um yeah it's it it was um we didn't like doing it online but uh we had to um we had to do it this way uh through the pandemic that we had yeah. we can't have in the past, when we run a spirits release, so when we initially launched them, we were getting a few hundred people inside the store. Yeah. And so we had to figure out a way where I still wanted to sell these uh, unique bottles. I still wanted to make an event out of it, but um, we had to kind of s- spread out the um, uh, the customers uh, throughout the day. So yeah. we had a few people at a time coming in the stores and make their selection. Uh, so it worked out. It did the best we could. I think uh, once uh, once everything opens up again, we're going to um, go back to the uh, the original way um, yeah. uh, of of having people all come in the store and get a ticket. But it's always been um, we get so few of these bottles. I get calls just about uh, every day um, from customers that uh, that are looking for them or want me to sell them bottles and. And um, what I, uh, the original design of the spirits release is just um, to be the most fair to the customers and and kind of give um, uh, give every everyone a chance, a fair chance to to get some bottles. Which which I I personally appreciate because it's there in a lot of I don't know I know in the U.S. there's a real problem with with the stores just kind of having their favorite people and then they they're also price gouging and there's there's a lot of a lot of take people taking advantage of people and you're you're just trying to you're just trying to get these limited offerings and in, into people's hands in an honest fashion which is really what it's all about and maybe that's the maybe that's the whiskey drinker in you but it's it's yeah it's honest it's fun i'm sure you're you're probably looking forward to a spirits release in store because you can't really replace the fact that 300 people are buying product while they're waiting <laughs> to to see if yeah. their tickets <laughs> selected and i know every t- every spirits release i've been to obviously there's a bunch of other new stuff that hits the shelves at the same time so you get yeah you get to go in there and you end up walking out with a handful of bottles whether you like it or not you can't help yourself well and just the fact that it's fair like i'd rather i'd rather miss out on it knowing that i had just as much chance as the guy that pulled number one or number 70 or whatever and obviously with the community that we're involved in like we know people that we're number two and yeah. all throughout. And even like we had friends 75 and 77 and they still walked out with like crazy stuff. So, well, I was able to trade for the the birthday bourbon, which yeah. a friend of ours got. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a fair system and that's all, that's all we can all really ask for. So. Yeah. I, there's so many different ways to sell these bottles. And, and I didn't like the approach of taking them and selling, uh, selling them for $800 on, on shelf and maybe one person will pay that kind of money. But it's yeah. just, I, I, I do the generally the suggested retail price and, um, and give everyone equal opportunity to, 
to get it. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to do the market a disservice or or feed into the secondary side of things. Like staying out of that conversation is probably the best approach to take from your yeah. end, right? Honestly, or else Sean would probably have a, a malt to grind like he does with everybody else in the <laughs> secondary market. But <laughs> well, um, I mean, like I said, it's fair. So if if I know that I can show up on release day. And yeah, I may not win a lottery spot for those bottles, but there's going to be other stuff there that I can walk in and buy. Yeah. And that's fine. Whereas, you know, you hear of other releases where supposedly stores got them in, but they never were on the shelf. No, they never were made available to, yeah, exactly. yeah, to anybody. And that's, yeah, but that's an issue. We won't get into that. Yeah. We're here to drink bourbon. So I honestly, let's get into the bourbon. We figured we'd start off with the Buffalo Trace first. How, how, do you, yeah. how does that sound? Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, And thank you for uh, providing whiskey for this uh, for this podcast. We really, really appreciate that. Um, so hey, you've been really good to us. Like even though that yeah. single barrel teeling Irish that you got, um, you graciously gifted me one, and I probably sold about four or five cases just from that one bottle. <laughs> it worked out in both our favors. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we're we're yeah, we're about spreading the love and we're happy to be supporters of of you and, and your brand and and wine and beyond but just because you guys have always been there for for us and the club and yeah, it, it goes on and on. So let's yeah. let's get into this uh let's get into this Buffalo Trace. So maybe go I'd like you to kind of get into the process of picking these these casks and how they differ from obviously brand to brand, maybe how, I guess this year was probably a lot different than previous years. Cause you're getting samples in the mail versus getting to visit distilleries, but I'll, yeah, I'll give you the stage. To talk and about. and yeah. also like what distinguishes your single barrel pick from the regular Buffalo trace that anybody can yeah. go find on any shelf. Yeah. So you're right. This, um, this past year has been unique, uh, unique experience, uh, cause it has been a lot of samples done, done in the mail. Um, I usually send, uh, three samples, um, or I'll get to, to select, um, the one that I like the best. Generally the, the samples are fantastic quality. I, I hear, um, stories from time to time where, uh, there's retailers um, or clubs rejecting um, rejecting samples. Um, I'd be prepared to do that, but I haven't. It hasn't come down to uh, where I've, I've needed to. So I trust uh, the distilleries that are they're sending me fantastic uh, fantastic choices. Um, so that that's kind of the. I'm still making the choices. I'm I'm not uh, um, obviously there which is the preference but what i'm looking for when it comes down to um a store pick versus the um the regular standard bottles is um is just something unique so it may have just one note that's really unique or it may uh, may may have um um, a slight different tasting profile uh, than the original. Usually, when I'm picking a, a barrel, I'll have um, a sample of the um, uh, the original um, standard bottling uh, that I can kind of compare to, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and just try to find something that is uh, is delicious, but uh, but also. Um, uh, maybe a little bit unique like there a lot of these barrels aren't um 
they're they're good, but they're not necessarily fitting the the profile that the distillery wants. So uh, so they put those aside for uh, for barrel picks. For barrel picks. I was I was gonna say this Buffalo Trace like right away it stands out over the Buffalo Trace I'm used to drinking. Yeah, it's good. It's a little more. Um, it's got a little, um, like a little more of that oak yeah. presence than the typical. I find that the typical Buffalo Trace is a little, sometimes a little too sweet for me. Um, when this has got a little bit more of that oak dryness, I, I also mm-hmm. find that, and we're we're skipping ahead a bit on our questions, but I also find that you have a very specific kind of palate, almost in the sense that I don't, do you? I've always wanted to ask you this, but do you prefer? the kind of the the higher oak spice type bourbons i find that a lot of your picks kind of fit that mold versus the sweeter side of things um you know it really depends like i i don't um if if i'm torn between say two choices um of a certain uh bourbon i'll always lean towards what i think the customers are going to like versus what i like um but uh, I do like everything and stand behind uh, everything I'm picking. And I think um, I, ha- I have picked some that uh, that are on the sweeter side, but I do like, um, um, I'm really looking for a lot more uh, complexity or, or a little more spice. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I also seem to, uh, just kind of looking back at some of my notes on past uh, picks is I, I tend to favor kind of the chocolate bar chocolatey nutty notes as well yeah yeah i i can see that because it's it showed up in some of your picks and it's probably as much as you're trying to pick something that everybody else likes you everybody's palate and 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 taste buds are all so different that you're you're naturally going to be picking something that you like but it's kind of hard to to not everybody's going to translate that palate the same way as you are when you're selecting for the for the buffalo trace and the blantons they are lower proof right they're in the 45 right 45.2 45 for this yeah do they come do they come cast strength to you did become or do they come to you proof down already so when i'm at the distillery they will be at cast strength okay um, a lot of times uh oh actually anytime they've sent samples um it varies sometimes they're right at cast strength um uh, in the case of Buffalo Trace and Blends, they were um, they came as you as you taste them. But when I'm tasting them, I taste them blind. Like I don't know all the details of mm-hmm. uh, of the barrels. I taste them blind and really go after what flavor um, what flavor they're standing out for me. Um, and then I will add some water to all of them, even if they are yeah. at forty five percent. I'll proof them down. And the reason I do that is that uh, especially with um, if it's in the 60s, is um, high alcohol um, tends to hide a lot of flaws. Yeah, it um, hides a lot of flaws. So if you add water to a whiskey, some of those um, sometimes get a musty note that might come through, or or it might be a kind of a weird oak mm-hmm. note. Or uh, so I, I when I add water, then you kind of catch those. That helps with some of the elimination. Yeah, for sure, and it's important to see. Yeah, to, to kind of understand how the the, the whiskey is going to change too for for some drinkers and other drinkers, and not not everyone's going to drink it at cast strength. Yeah, for sure. Like it's um, 
a lot of people are going to add it. Like, I don't know anyone personally that uh, has <laughs> a lot of water or drinks uh, a lot of whiskey on the rocks. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot of people out there yeah. that uh, like their whiskeys in various different ways. So uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery, um, how I would do a barrel pick normally if I'm, if I'm in the area and I'm able to travel is uh, go to the distillery. Um, Every distillery has different formats on how they how they entertain it. So, in the case of uh, Buffalo Trace, I'm in uh, their warehouse. Uh, they have the barrels already uh, laid out, and then we uh, take the whiskey thief and fill up the glasses and, and uh, right from the barrel and and, uh, and start tasting. Um, I've been to uh, Wild Turkey is pretty similar, um, where you go in. I've been with. Um, uh, master distiller uh, Eddie Russell uh, has taken me into the warehouse and they lay out the barrels and you just taste and if you don't like anything that uh, that's already laid out uh, they'll bring up bring down more so, uh, <laughs> they just keep so, it rolling until you find they, something you like and then you hopefully you're not too uh, inebriated to <laughs> yeah. to pick something out yeah it, and then um, they um, uh, uh, Maker's Mark is probably my one of my favorite uh, uh, barrel picks because uh, it's not really like Maker's Mark rotates their barrels, so every barrel is supposed to be identical, um, gotcha. or they're very close. Um, but um, uh, I'm not sure if you know Maker's Forty Six, um, but they do the French oak staves. Mm -hmm. And what Maker's Mark does with their personal selection is uh, I'll get to select the staves. So I, basically it's a blending exercise where I would uh, try, um, uh, they have American oak that adds a little more sweetness or they have um, uh, different... Uh, like mocha and, and uh, mocha. cuvee and yeah. yeah, a whole bunch of different ones, high spice oaks and all the kinds of different, yeah. Exactly. So I pick the different... Uh, uh, different ratios of um, of bear of uh, of staves I want. So they got uh, uh, baked American pure, which kind of gives that sweet honey. Mm -hmm. um, then they have um, uh, seared French cuvee, which kind of gives it a little more toast balance, uh, kind of on finish. Uh, kind of smooths out some of the rough edges. Uh, then there's their standard makers, forty six, um, which is a French oak one. Um, which kind of gives Christmas cake, baking spices. Yeah. Um, they used to have mocha, and my original pick um, was uh, was with mocha, but they retired that stave, oh. so they replaced it with what's called French Mondiant. And um, interesting. Kinda gives um, it's almost kind of like a fruit nut bar um, as far as flavors go. Interesting. Um, I can still get the. Um, uh, the French mocha because I'm kind of grandfathered in and I've already used it, but they won't allow any more. So, um, uh, okay, okay. Um, I, I would have to get the exact same recipe or stave profile that I got before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they have toasted French spice, which kind of gives a little more citrus and, and spicy notes, and it's kind of a dry, uh, dry spice as well. And so, basically, you start blending. You start. I want to the stave and. Uh, four of this and, and none of these and you start uh, playing around with the staves and then um, um, and just start adjusting 
to the flavor profile that uh, that you're kind of going after or um, once you hit it then you say that's the one so um, I did my first one at the distillery uh, the second one I just recently did which these bottles will come out in the fall um, I did two barrels uh, and we did it online so they sent me a, a sample okay. kit of all the um, makers uh, in cast strength and uh, we just started blending them with their uh, with the Maker's Mark team uh, until we got uh, um, the profile that we wanted. Very cool. That, yeah, that's a really that's cool process. Creating well, you're, you're essentially creating your own bourbon at that point. Like you're not just you're not just picking, but you get to like yeah, you get to blend all these staves, creating this unique profile. It's that that yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, the one question I, I did have is. You obviously release different barrel or different barrel picks throughout the year. Um, how many do you do every year, and has COVID effect COVID affected the number that you have done this year? Um, I don't think COVID's affected the quantity that we get. Um, I think the we're probably going through. I would say 12 to 16 barrels um, every year. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's buying and selling. They don't last long on our shelves once they come in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they usually, well, typically they would they would go into our stores as the Wine and Beyond, um, uh, the Wine and Beyond brand. I started putting my own name on a lot of the bottles. This was goes um, back a few years because we were, we like to put things in, in like Wine and Beyond's um, branded, products into liquor depot and vice versa so i started putting my own name on them and then it doesn't does matter where it uh, where those bottles ended up we could sell uh, it anywhere. okay yeah, yeah um but then over time um people started liking what uh what i was picking i kind of gave our, our marketing team uh a little bit of personality to play with and so they uh, and so yeah started uh um i just kept the name on how when uh, when was that that was a couple of years ago you started putting your your name on it was it or two or three years ago maybe yeah because there was maybe, kind of a mix I'd say three maybe four years ago okay um okay. it was it was when we had uh we have eight eight one and beyonds now but at one point we only had two where barrel selection uh didn't go where like, it, it, it sat or sat for a little bit longer so mm-hmm. it spread it out a bit more yeah um but um uh, but yeah it's uh um yeah, so we're doing like I said, make, uh, Maker's Mark is two barrels this uh, this selection. So it was um, I'm getting multiples now, uh, where I was only getting one. Like, mm-hmm. And I think once I get uh, I'm able to travel and get back to um, to uh, the distilleries, uh, there might be more opportunity for for more. Um, I also do some barrel picks uh, uh, here in Alberta as well. So. Um, Last year, I did uh, a rye single barrel from Hanson Distillery. Yeah, um, which turned out uh, really well. I love um, that because it gave an opportunity, gave us all an opportunity to try their their rye at a higher proof. So I'm I was super thrilled to see that you decided to go with that fifty percent because it just it offered something completely different than what was already what the distillery had released, and it gave us whiskey uh, enthusiasts a chance to to yeah to try their liquid at a higher proof, which is really cool. Yeah, I think uh, that's exactly. I think their standard release is like forty three percent. Yeah. Um, and uh, it tasted really good at forty three percent. But I, 
Um, when I tried it originally, it was something around the 68% uh, high range. Yeah. It was really high. <laughs> um, I thought it was a little bit too high for um, kind of the average customer. Like I liked it at that, but yeah. I wanted to kind of bridge that gap. So I didn't want something as low as 43, but I, um, but I wanted something a little more with, uh, that could stand up uh, to a cocktail if someone wanted to throw it in an old fashioned or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and how many how many casts did you select of that? Was it two? I uh, just did one. Just oh, it was just one. Hope, okay. Yeah. So hopefully uh, I get to go um, go again soon and get get another one. But in the meantime, I was at uh, Bridgeland Distillery um, here in Calgary, and um, they I, I picked one of their Taylor Corn uh, bourbons. Oh, ah, okay. Okay. B-O-N, so it's not uh, not actual bourbon, but it is uh, a bourbon. <laughs> style recipe bourbon concept whiskey yeah yes yeah and uh so i did a barrel pick there uh, that one's being released uh right away um and uh i'm very excited with that one it's uh it um they have a very interesting um process where they uh, uh how they add water they're just not dumping um a whole bunch of water into the um uh, into the into the whiskey to prove it down there uh, they're slowly dripping, and it takes days, days to, to oh, get interesting. It to the final, get it to the final um, proof that they want. But uh, that's another one where I kind of played around with the proof point. Um, and it'll be bottled, I think, at just above fifty-five percent. Okay. Sorry, but it, uh, so still um, high enough that you get the cast strength lovers, but low enough that it's a little more approachable for for others, kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. And I don't think I had to come down too far with water. So it is okay. what, uh, what it is. And, um, I also have a, a single malt barrel, uh, that's being aged currently in, uh, in Eau Claire distillery. So that nice. one's probably two years now, two, two years old. So interesting. I was going to ask if, yeah, if you were doing something with Eau Claire, I kind of got a little bit of whispers kind of flew flew by my ear about that maybe there was something like that going on but <laughs> yeah they've uh they have a few retailers i think that have uh have yeah. barrels um this one actually has uh was a buffalo trace barrel that i oh, cool. did one of my uh, my single barrel bourbon picks and then when it came i i gave that barrel to uh to eau claire and nice they're uh um, and yeah, it was a fun experience. I got to go there, fill up the cask myself, uh, with new make and, um, and put it aside. And I was there, uh, maybe six months ago, um, tasting the progress and they do such a great job there that it's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like I could probably get it bottled right away and, and, and sell it, but I, I want to wait. And the hard part will be like at three years, I can, I can officially, um, sell it as whiskey yeah um but i i don't know part of me wants to keep it and see how it uh how it, how it tastes oh for sure and maybe when i retire one day i'll uh, i'll release it on that year and uh <laughs> and uh and sell it then but I, i'm sure old clara want to get it out of get it out of <laughs> probably there but in our in our unique climate here and like it's such a dry climate in alberta it's tough to age things that long because of the way that it draws the, it plays with the moisture content inside the barrel. And there's just so many other considerations that kind of go into picking the age and you kind of got to stay on top of it. Cause I think you could probably lose that whiskey really quick. And I think that's why they shy away from 
from these well longer aged whiskeys they they feel like their sweet spot is in that three three years three four years um they did that single cast recently which is a six was it five years five, five years, years i think yeah. it was yeah. really really good but i know caitlin is very very conscious about how active or what our climates actually do to their barrels yeah it's uh it could be like 10 to 12 years from now could be nothing left in, in, in the barrel. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so true. So. I know like, um, even, even with the, with the, uh, the Boulder bourbon that we kind of went over together, um, they, they have the same climate. So they, they just, the, the ABV just skyrockets over the years and they've got some of their casts are that are five years old, four or five years old. The, the ABV is up over 70%, which gets hard. That gets hard to manage. That becomes even greater than cast strength to some yeah. people. Right. And it gets, so you're deciding what's drinkable and what's not, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to see so many different profiles across the board. And, and you see a lot of them doing these single barrel selections. So it, it sounds like a really cool process. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been fortunate to kind of be involved with a lot of these distilleries uh, since they uh, first opened. So I, um, I'm happy to help uh, any kind of suppliers on on their flavor profiles. And like I said, I'm just one person, but uh, I'll always give my opinion, and uh, I kind of know what works in, in the market and what hasn't been. Do you get do you get a lot of that those kind of requests coming from like distilleries in Alberta or Western Canada just asking opinion like i'm sure you get sent samples all the time to review yes. or <laughs> like that's probably not only to just purchase to put in your stores but the other side of it is just to kind of help the industry and you probably you do that obviously on your own time because that's not not really part of the job right no it's not i do i do get asked to do some consulting from time to time that okay. is uh, kind of beyond what i what i get paid for but uh, like i said I, it's the passion that i'm happy to help and i just want to see great uh, uh great products in our in our market so i'm um yeah so i uh, i'll help out where i can i do have um uh, producers from time to time send me um uh, whether it's packaging or or even from from a liquid standpoint they'll send me something and ask me what uh uh, what I think, or does it uh, need anything? Like I, uh, again, I'm I don't I'm not I don't consider myself a huge expert, but I, mm-hmm. I have one person's opinion, and I do have um, um, a lot of tasting experience, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I know you're a pretty humble guy, but you you clearly know what you're talking about. So we'll we'll pump your tires for you, so you don't have to do it yourself, <laughs> right? It's it's important in this industry to stay to stay humble because. We are just, we're enth- passionate enthusiasts and it's, yeah. it's important to. We're all experts in our own space, right? And, yeah, and exactly. Interests because there's so much to know about whiskey that you'll never, you know, lifetime ever know everything. So, no. so you got to focus on your, your interests and, and my, my expertise probably leans more towards the, um, to the retail side of the, the whiskey business because that's what I'm, I'm living. Yeah. How, how the whiskey moves in the market and. And yeah, just being able to identify kind of the, the ebbs and flows. Um, so the next, yeah, we just poured, yeah, we the, just poured the second one. So I don't know where <laughs> we didn't even really actually stop to talk about the Buffalo <laughs> trays too much, but it's, it's good. And like I said, it's, it's a, a little more Oak forward than the sweetness, which I personally like. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if you found anything else out of that one. No, I mean, it's just, it's Buffalo Trace quality and just with, you know, like a unique edge to it kind of. Yeah. This, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And, um, I don't know if you, do you have anything more to add to the Buffalo Trace, Brian? No. Uh, well, I, I think by far it's the best, um, the best value out there too. Yeah, absolutely. Delicious single barrel, but it's only about 40, just over $40. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where most of the other single barrel, but single barrels are um, much more pricey. This one double that uh, almost. This one, this one's approachable for a lot of a lot of people, which I, I enjoy. Yeah, I even found last year. Um, I missed the day that everything was released. I was at work, and then when I got back, I stumbled into, I believe it was the Southgate location. And there was one bland sitting there. And I was like, yoink, it's <laughs> coming home with me. And then I didn't even realize at all until I got home and opened it that it had the single barrel select sticker on. It. I was like, oh, cool. This is even better. And then obviously through friends and the community, I was sampled everything else. And the, I remember last year I drank the Buffalo Trace pick right next to the regular barrel. And yeah, I was blown away. I think that's the that like if you want to do the comparison, that's the only way to do it is do it blind if you can and compare yeah. them side by side. But I mean the Blantons, I still like I'm trying to hold on to the one that I have from last year a little bit because that's usually what I pour when I'm cooking dinner. If I'm out on the grill barbecuing, I'll pour the Blantons. It's perfect for sip even when it's hot out. I like it. Yeah, Blantons is such an easy easy drinking bourbon. Um, it's by far our most popular of the picks. Um, yeah, like uh, be surprised that we have anything left in our our stores uh, as of this time. But um, um, but um, I'm fortunate to to get a regular um, uh, regular allocation of this. And um, yeah, it's um, uh, each barrel with blends because blends is a single barrel it's always going to be different um, mm-hmm. uh, but they still have a, a similar pro, uh, profile yeah um, and uh, I kind of go with um, what I think this is kind of one where I do lean more towards what I think the customers would like versus myself um, but I do I do really like them it's got a, it's got a bit of um I don't know. It's got a bit of that, like cocoa, yeah, uh, yeah malt, like some coconut, coconut, yeah, um, coconut, um, even a little bit of like malty like character to it. I find mm-hmm. definitely has like that some honeyed sweetness to it. But it's when you pick when, when you pick like this year's. Do you ever compare it to like the single pick that you did last year? I do. Um, I haven't with these ones yet, but, um, but yeah, I do pick, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I don't have, um, samples left or bottles <laughs> yeah. left, unfortunately, <laughs> um, to do so. But, uh, I do, when I do have bottles to compare, I will, uh, I will do it because it's, uh, it's interesting to see, uh, even like my development of my own palate, like where that's uh, going to like, um, something that, um, like we talked about tomato and, uh, barrel pick earlier and yeah. you taste that and, and now and not like it, even though I may have loved it, uh, um, uh, when I did that eight years ago. So, yeah. Cause uh, well, everybody's palates constantly evolving and, uh, for yours with the amount of <laughs> whiskey and spirits you're trying, but you know what? I, I think my um, um, 
and my picks are pretty consistent because I think the distillate, uh, the mash fills, they're all, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's, uh, just little nuances that, uh, that change. It's got, it's got a bit of tartness at the end of it too. And I'm looking at the color. It seems a little bit darker than the normal blends. How, how old is that bottle? Like when did you pick that one up? Um, a few months ago. No, I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> it's, it was picked up one of those times I went to Wine and Beyond and bought whiskey. For an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to take uh, some of this home and compare it side by side. With yeah, you should, for sure. I'd be curious to see how it compares from year to year. It's um like this, yeah, this uh, standard 93 proof for the Blantons. But I find their store picks... And like you said, you said that typically they, the barrels they reserve for store picks are kind of barrels that fall just slightly outside what they're going for with, with their releases. You think the same thing for Blanton's, even though it's all like everything's a single barrel product? Um, no, I think Blanton's profiles are all pretty consistent, uh, at least from what I've, what yeah. I've seen. It's all coming from uh, one warehouse. Uh, so it's... Um, uh, there's not a ton of variation that I can that I can tell. I think, and they're all bottled at about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think the variation is is pretty limited. So they, yeah, I think yeah. It's, they just pull barrels that they think would be um, that would uh, taste great, and away they go. Yeah, they want to set themselves up for success as much as you being the being the person that's picking them. Blends is always an interesting conversation piece too because it's. It's, uh, it's all the hype that's been created around the brand over the years. And it, it obviously starts in the U S but it's, it's definitely existing here too. Um, it's, it's a, people love and hate it, but they hate it because they can't get it usually. Uh, and it's like, it, I think the, the main problem is the, the value has been hiked so high in some areas that if you, if you buy it for what it is and this, being a reasonably priced in like eight seventy eighty dollars kind of thing, it's a great bourbon for for its value, and people kind of forget that when they talk about it. Yeah, but they're they're going off websites and you know accounts that they see yeah. where it's three hundred dollars US for the same bottle we're paying eighty dollars Canadian for. So <laughs> yeah, I mean I'd be I'd be mad if I paid three hundred dollars for that because I can get it at eighty dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, sure. it's, it's such a great looking bottle. Like that, that yeah, goes on your back bar. Um, you know, open it for for guests and and uh, and it, I find that Blanton's um, is one of those bourbons that um, is approachable for for a lot more people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot uh, it casts a much wider net on on uh, on who likes it. And I think that's why it's been so popular. Is that uh, yeah. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's for the masses because not everyone wants to pay $80 for whiskey, no, but, no. um, but if you're given that as a gift or, or, um, if you're offered a dram of that, uh, I think, and you don't drink bourbon, you probably like, like this one. Yeah. And it's the it's beautiful, bottle, everything course, about yeah. the packaging is iconic. It is. You yeah. know, you could take every stitch of label off of that and you know, you're getting Blanton's cause there's nothing else like it. <laughs> yeah. The it grenade bottle unique. with the horse on top. Yeah. And, truly unique. Yeah. It's my dad, my dad 
collected all the horse tops and he's getting ready to well the the thing that took him so long is he had to drink through the bourbons so i was thinking about sending him some corks because i got a bunch of extra corks just so he could send them off quicker because he doesn't drink them fast enough but they um yeah if you if you collect all the letters right they you can send them away and they send you them all presented which is pretty cool as well yeah yeah it's another facet to their marketing which is crazy and yeah exactly people love it so no for sure um do you want to get on to the last one here yeah let's do it (laughs) now our buddy josh who you know he uh he picked the 1792 last year last year's pick as his bourbon of the year and of course i missed out on it because i missed the release day you miss everything yeah Yeah. but i of course was man managed to get myself a sample of it and i was one of the 12 lined up at the Sherwood Park location Saturday to morning. To get it. <laughs> and I made sure I grabbed this one. It's and wild. I yeah. tasted it Saturday night on the deck with my wife playing dice. And I tasted it beside a sample of the other one. Josh wasn't happy, but I said that this one was even better. <laughs> than last year's. This is, and it was, it was before Christmas that I was, I was the one that snagged it for Josh. Just because as soon as, I mean, I think, Ryan, me and you kind of chatted before its release and because I, I wanted to make sure that I could acquire some bottles. But as soon as I tasted it, it was just, okay, like people got to know that this is there. And it it came and went fast. I feel it it almost just took a little bit of attention and then it was poof, it was gone. Yeah, this one is, um, this year happened to be a short barrel. So we either leaked or had quite a bit of evaporation because I didn't get a lot of cases out of it, a lot of bottles um, versus the Blanton's and the Buffalo Trace. But um, um, but one thing I'd say with uh, 1792 is that it was, um, it's, it's a hard choice because they're all so good. Um, oh, I bet. Like they're... Um, and again, these, these were, uh, shipped samples. These come from, um, 1792, um, Barton distillery, uh, which is Bardstown. Um, and so they're owned by, uh, Buffalo Trace or by Sazerac. Yes. Um, yeah. and, um, um, so when I have been at their distillery selecting, selecting barrels as well, and they, um, like I said, it is really hard because uh, they're all so good. It's like, I want to, can I buy all three? <laughs> yeah, give me it all. <laughs> it's um, like Werther's. That's that Werther's, was the yeah. first thing I said to me is like, <laughs> this is cast strength candy. And yeah. it's so good. It is rich and mouthfeel is incredible. It's not overpowering for its proof. Like it is just an all around great. And, and 1792 has a reputation to to performing really really up, like above expectation on all their store picks across the uh, North America honestly everyone that talks about their their single barrel program just raves about the quality of of whiskey that they that they put out for it yeah they um uh, they do such a great job but it it actually took a little while in the Alberta market like, i remember it was um it was probably our um uh, my original one wasn't a foolproof. Uh, it was, um, uh, I think, just their standard bottling, and I think it was maybe 45, 46% yeah. ABV. Um, and actually took 
took a little while longer than expected to, to move through. But I think once people tasted it uh, and tried it, um, um, uh, they uh, they really liked it. And, and, um, and then when I was able to uh, be offered a chance to, to bring in the full proof, like that was uh, a no brainer. Cause this is, this is my type of bourbon. If I'm, if I had a, um, a choice between these three or, or any other, it's usually something in the, in that, um, 60 ish range for ABD. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I think bourbon has that sweet spot right around and, yeah, I would say between 57 to 61, 62, I would say when it comes to cast strength. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? Well, like I'll be the first to admit that I haven't been a huge bourbon fan. It's until you it, met me. Yeah, basically Steve <laughs> got me into bourbon and, you know, a few other friends send me samples all the time. Um, but yeah, I immediately, I don't know if it's because my came from scotch or whatever, but I gravitated towards the higher proof right away and like the stag juniors and um like i'll take rare breed over 101 wild turkey all the time and yeah. it's just that extra oomph that it has but yeah these 70 they're <laughs> so good yeah the, there's definitely more sweetness in this year's barrel pick than last year's yeah we're, we poured well, we poured sorry we poured last year's network <laughs> as you probably saw <laughs> it's uh i comparing yeah yeah like last year's was the more a little more oak maybe yeah. but the uh, yeah like i said that like werther's almost like quality where it's not it's not like sweet sweet caramel but just like a it's like like if, yeah, if it's a word like a savory caramel yeah more than like a super sweet like those square butterscotch halloween things that we used to get yeah it's this is delicious right yeah yeah like i said it's uh it's hard to pick uh um I don't think I could pick a bad uh, barrel, uh, 1792. It's just, they're all so good. Every once in a while, and I kind of regret doing it sometimes, is I'll go back and, and taste the, the samples that they send me and, and uh, second-guess, did I pick the right one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have, like, but, a cabinet? Uh, do you have a cabinet full of, like, old barrel samples? Like, do you, do you hold on to them for a little while? Yeah, I do. I, I do have... Uh, like they're not full bottles by any means. So mm-hmm. I do, I, if I do have samples, it's usually I'm going to buy one of the, uh, the full bottles uh, themselves, but I do have a cabinet of, of some of the samples that are, are sent to me. And um, a lot of times I do it just as a quality control uh, aspect, yeah. um, not necessarily for bourbon or barrel picks specifically, but for everything I'll, I'll always taste, um, uh, taste the product uh, to what I originally tasted and approved for our stores so that mm-hmm. I can uh, go back and make sure that the, the profile didn't change uh, really. And in, in the case of bourbon uh, barrel picks, it's uh, making sure that they, they sent the barrel that I thought uh, or that I chose. Yeah, fair enough. I guess, yeah, once you make your pick until you get the bottles, you don't really know. <laughs> they can send yeah. you the bottom shelf in the Rick house and you won't know until you get the bottles. Yeah, no kidding. Do you, do you have a favorite distillery to choose from? Um, my favorite the distillery one... to visit is probably um, and it's hard to hard to pick a favorite, but I would say uh, Buffalo Trace just for the the pure historical value. It's such yeah. a great property. Um, um, 
that I've been all over uh, in tours that um, uh, I've seen so many different aspects of that distillery. Uh, but from a barrel picking experience, um, it's hard to, um, uh, uh, I would say probably wild turkey is, uh, yeah, is that would be awesome just because they, it's, again, it's such a, um, just to be in the warehouse with, uh, I've done one with, um, Eddie Russell and one with, uh, his son, Bruce Russell, who will be master distiller. And so it's, mm-hmm. um, um, so such a. A great experience and then i've also um like a jack daniels was another great experience tasting with uh um, jeff arnett and you know sitting side by side and kind of learning from those master distillers mm-hmm. uh, what they're like they're they are the experts at uh oh yeah uh, oh. Profiles and what they're <laughs> yeah. what they're getting so you learn so much from from them and they kind of guide uh, they guide me along that uh that journey to picking those picking those barrels yeah those are the true experts I, f- I feel like one of these days you're gonna arrive in kentucky and you're gonna open your suitcase and me and sean are gonna be in there <laughs> <laughs> either that or we're just gonna drive down and meet you there yeah <laughs> to come just force our way into the into the process well i i told ryan when he uh announced that that teeling single cast was coming i said yeah. hey if you need anybody to do some irish tasting for <laughs> you yeah picking some casks i have no problem whether it's here there i'm I'm okay with that (laughs) yeah i will go anywhere (laughs) so that it almost leads us to our next question do you plan on doing i know you said you came down on them but do you plan on doing any more scotch or irish single casks yeah they're i kind of got away from it a little bit because the prices were going um pretty high uh and they're not as easy to do like it's easier for me to get to kentucky um, but, uh, I do plan on uh, doing some, uh, some single malt, um, uh, scotch, uh, teeling is a little tougher or sorry, Irish, Irish whiskey is a little tougher. Uh, teeling was a good opportunity. Um, I think it turned out really good, but, um, uh, there's not, um, at least today, there's not a lot of single barrel opportunities for Irish whiskey. Um, but I think that will change eventually. Yeah. Um, well, give it give it five years even, and you'll have forty distilleries with yeah, mature yeah. enough whiskeys. Whereas you know, even eight years ago, there was only four. So yeah. in eight years, yeah. the ten times as many distilleries. So I mean, I mean, me as an Irish fanboy, I'm so excited to see where it goes five, ten years from now, and I'm sure there'll be opportunities. So I'll just yeah. wait patiently. Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as far as Canadian. Um, barrel picks so there's not a lot that offer like around um alberta uh which i mentioned before i think yeah because we're, we're good partners with a lot of the local alberta distilleries um they graciously allowed me to pick some uh some single barrels um uh i'd like to do one um in uh, uh with two brewers i like to go up to uh to the yukon and, yes and pick a barrel uh that would be That'd be a fantastic we're, Yeah, we're big fans of, of two brewers. We think they're creating some amazing stuff. And obviously there's a couple clubs in town here that have done some single um single barrel picks with them and they both mm-hmm. turned out yeah like stunningly fantastic. So I'd be yeah, I'd be really excited. And they do they do a lot of different profiles to offer and yeah. they 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 do a lot of experimentation, cask experimentation, and so it the like the sky's the limit. 
Yeah, I was it. just going to say their, their cask usage where, you know, a lot of times it's matured in next something and then finished in this. Well, they're going like four barrels <laughs> equal yeah. amount of time for the whiskey. So, yeah, like it's and they're only getting better, which is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. till they start producing enough to to hit the world stage a little bit more just because they, they just deserve that sort of um, attention because they are just that good at what they're doing. Yeah, I thought I read something that they are uh, sending some bottles uh, to Europe. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see how. Yeah, to see how the rest received. of the world kind of reacts to to what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think it was like a French. I don't know if it's a, like a company or a club, but yeah, they did a basically got a single barrel from them. Interesting. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then the other um, single barrel like in Canada is uh, Shelter Point. They do yes. a great job. Uh, so I've been I've been there. Uh, I go to the um, uh, Victoria Whiskey Festival um, annually when they they host it. Uh, obviously, they didn't go this year, but um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful drive up to the distillery. They do such a fantastic job there, and and uh, yeah, I picked two barrels. I think we still have some of those uh, those in in our stores, um, and uh, two different uh, cast profiles. Um, one was uh, finished in a wine, I think it was Cabernet uh, Sauvignon wine cask, yeah. which yeah. Uh, which worked out really well. And then um, a lot of I've uh, been given some opportunity to do some um, do some my own Canadian whiskey blending as well. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and so um, I don't want to disclose any any, uh, <laughs> yeah. any details on that until it, until it comes to fruition, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think uh, those because uh, there's not a lot of single barrels um, in Canada. Canada is really about blending, and and uh, I think there's some awesome blends coming up now. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to get your your take on like the world whiskey stage a little bit because I just noticed you you made a, a recent move moving that that world section kind of up to the closer to the front of the store in front of the Isla section. Just because, I don't know if that was just to drive people past it before they could get to the stuff that will sell no matter where. You could put that, you could put the Isla section in the beer cooler and people would still buy it. <laughs> but <laughs> is that just to try and, try and I don't know, garner some more attention for that for that category yeah. of whiskey? Is it, like, is it, did it? It is. Like, we, we started, um, when Wine and Beyond first started, it was uh, a four-foot section of uh mm-hmm what we would determine as a world whiskey, which is basically everything that's not uh, Canadian, Irish, American, or UK, Scotch. Yeah. You know. um, and um, we, we started getting a lot more availability and, um, and so we expanded that section and, and yeah, it's just trying to get people to um, uh, find merchandising solutions to get people to, to notice it. Like there's a lot of like, uh, a lot of single malt customers uh, are looking for for Scotch whiskey. Uh, may never venture into the world whiskey section, mm-hmm. and not, and, but some of the like um, some of the single malts that we have um, uh, from India or from oh, uh, Japan or from yeah, they're outstanding products. Yeah. Like we, I, one of my favorite daily drinkers is the Millstone Twelve Sherry, and it's again, it's one of those world whiskeys that is just of insane quality but people because it's a world whiskey it's not it's not like people don't talk about it as much as they do some of the other genres 
so it just loses out. But there's there's a number of brands in that category that could easily stand toe to toe with some of the best brands in all the other categories. But yeah, I figured they kind of just struggle to get that attention sometimes. Yeah, I really like them too. It's uh, that's one of the biggest frustrations in my job actually is when uh, when something just tastes fantastic. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna sell. Uh, really well and it just uh, and it doesn't and, and it's uh and it's frustrating but part of that is just getting it in, in that customer's uh a walking path on the site and uh, tastings obviously help as well um yeah for sure but uh um, but yeah just getting it uh um, where the customers are gravitating where most people are shopping in our scotch section so that's kind of where we moved that uh that location yeah, no, I thought that was an excellent move, honestly, because people are gonna they're gonna be forced to walk by it and kind of take notice on what's on sale, what's new, what's coming, that and just the the interesting brands out of that section. The other the other section I wanted to ask about was the blended section because it's growing more and more. I feel over the last couple of years, um, have you seen have you seen like a, a kind of shift in popularity? Is the blend like are the blends starting to you think it's starting to make a comeback? Yeah, I think so. We're starting to see a lot more innovation in that uh, blended category. So yeah. We're seeing um, uh, like Doors is doing um, uh, a lot of different casks. Um, I, um, uh, they're even, exp- I think they had a, um, a mezcal um, cask. That, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. That's out there. So, so there, there's a lot more experimentation, which adds more around uh, more shelf um uh, that needs more shelf placement for that. We're also seeing a lot more um, uh, kind of the blended molds as well. So that's uh, that's adding, and and uh, part of it actually is, is unfortunate is that some of the single molds from the distilleries, like during this um, during this pandemic, it's kind of wrecked havoc with some of the supply chains. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's hard to keep some of the some of the bottles in stock that we've normally never had issues with. So that's kind of precipitating. Um, expanding blends, which uh, there is a lot more available, um, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that section. I yeah, we're like we're big blend I, drinkers. I mean, I go through the whole section, but <laughs> I'll always stop at the blended and see, you know, if there's anything new, anything cool. There's especially, some amazing values in that section. Yeah, especially right? ones that you've never heard of, or yeah. maybe you've only heard of and never seen. And you kind of check it out, and yeah, like the value in a lot of them. Like you can pick up a crazy bottle of blended whiskey, blended malt even for 50 bucks or less. And they become daily drinkers because you don't want to go into that $150 bottle every for single sure. day. And, and they'll, they'll punch above their weight. Like a lot of them will punch above their weight class. Yeah. yeah famous gross is easily one of my, my yeah. in, that, in that section. It's uh, so, so good. It's so good. And it's, yeah, it's one of the best values on the shelf easily. Um, obviously, which his name's been mentioned a few times with Josh is a massive famous grout, famous grouse fan. And, so we it, within our like our small kind of whiskey click or whatever we talk we talk about blends all the time and they deserve that attention. So yeah. I'm I'm excited to see that that part of the the whiskey world growing. Yeah. Um, one question I had, and obviously this year it didn't happen. Last year it didn't happen. Is the uh, festival the one and beyond festival that you host every year? Uh, we yeah. went to the last one and we got to do the decades tasting, which is unreal. And then, do you are you when everything kind of opens up again? Are you planning on doing another one, 
or annually? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, that, that was one of my, uh, like, I think it comes from my bar background is I, I'm always trying to do um, uh, kind of events and, and try to be more than just a, a boring retailer that yeah. just, uh, looks at spreadsheets and picks <laughs> products to go on the shelves. So I like those events. Um, um, we will probably not do one this year. Um, I have something else in mind that might be a, a close second. Um, um, as far as, uh, as far as how an event would go, um, it will be, have some kind of tasting component and it'll be, um, it'll have some pretty big, um, uh, pretty big, uh, big hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, probably next year, um, in 2022, we'll, uh, we'll reintroduce the, um, uh, the whiskey best bowl again because it was, I think it, we kept building it year after year and growing it, uh, getting and customers, uh, uh, customers loved it. And uh, I think customers like the, um, and we get such a great support from all our, um, all our vendors and all mm-hmm. our suppliers that uh, we had some, some amazing products out, out, uh, out for everybody. Yeah, I just find that the ones at the like the one at Wine and Beyond that we went to, it's it's way more intimate than some of the bigger festivals. You yeah. actually you don't have to fight for FaceTime with the reps and you can um talk to them about stuff more freely and it's not super I mean it's congested because there's lots of people, but it's not like a room that's not hold, intimidating at all. Yeah, it's so. not intimidating and you know, we walked around with a group of like 20 of us all the way around. And we were able to do that. Whereas most big, huge festivals, you can get lost. Yeah. You're yeah, <laughs> you're like, okay, who's the tallest in the group? Where can I see you? And kind of, so I, I love that about the wine and beyond festival is that it's approachable and it's, it's in, intimate and not intimidating at all. Well, in the masterclass that you've run in the past where you like, it's a procured selection of unicorns basically that, uh, that you kind of present and, and serve to the to people that take part in the master class. It's always uh, they were all incredible, incredible, incredible whiskeys. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm excited to see what you pick for the for the next one of that too. Yeah, so I'm going to do something similar to that uh, decades class uh, this yeah. year. Um, like I said, I'm not going to do the full blown um, uh, festival, but uh, I'm I'm kind of working on a. On a master class of some sort. Masterclass. I I miss it. I like getting out uh, in front of uh, in front of fellow whiskey enthusiasts and and our customers and and talking about whiskey. Like I I do it on my own time because I don't get paid to paid to do this kind of thing. But it's uh, like it's uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's so so much fun. Well, and it's similar concept to what we do with the with the whiskey club is you you get an opportunity for so that people at a reasonable price can try things that are out of their price range, mm-hmm. and you get to share it. You could share it with with a group of people that could not afford to go out and buy like some of those bottles are, are over a thousand dollars. Most of them around that mark or more. So it's just a unique opportunity to to share whiskey, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think. Um, um, we um it'll be similar like uh picking something from the 1950s 60s 70s that's such a great uh, concept i wasn't sure originally how it would be received but it um uh, worked out really well and uh, yeah it was 
we sold out those classes really fast. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was <laughs> definitely pleased when I got to have a spot in it. Yeah. And uh, it was weird calling my dad the next day and saying that I drank a whiskey that was older than him, yeah. <laughs> let alone older than me. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Are you going to be opening up the festivals at each or the Emerald Hills and the one or uh, Windermere? Sorry. Are you going to yeah, just. We, did, we used to run. Two Emerald Hills was a little bit of uh, um, uh, a little bit less popular, uh, yeah. so it might be one. I would have to figure. I'd have to figure it out. But it's. Um, I like doing it in in both locations. I don't like doing it in um, only in Windermere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's going to be an appetite once festivals start uh, opening up again. There's going to be a lot of people that are really interested in getting out. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and we'll just keep trying to grow, uh, uh, grow that part of our business. But it's, uh, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. I, um, uh, it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite things to plan and, yeah. and to see it come to fruition. Well, and when, when it comes time, the, our, our club was still in the infancy last time you had the, the festival at Emerald Hills. So now that we're uh, running our mouths, like we do, it should help. It should help <laughs> fill that space a little more out this way. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and then um, we've our Calgary store was too um, too new to do the festival there, but we want to do something in our yeah our Sage Hill store in Calgary too because I think we have a lot of a lot of Calgary fans that would uh, would enjoy it. Yeah, and that's a nice location. That Sage Hill's a really nice store. So it's got it looks a little bigger. Is it? It's a little bigger than yeah, Emerald Hills a, for sure. Largest, like it's uh, yeah largest location. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'd be nice to fill fill it with a bunch of whiskey drinkers and start having some fun again. So I want to pick your brain a little bit. What is your all-time A, uh, everyday accessible whiskey, and B, your all-time unicorn that you've got to taste? <laughs> all-time accessible? Um, I, I stuff to pick one, uh, but I would probably lean towards a few different ones. So I would say... Um, I really like um, um, Balvenie, uh, the Doublewood. So things like the 12 and the 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Lot 40 as well. As the, like I always have a bottle of Lot 40 yeah. in my in my cabinet. Um, uh, it's just such a good versatile whiskey it can drink on its own or, or mix it up with some cocktails. Uh, I really like um, uh, Weiser's 18-year-old. For an 18-year-old whiskey, it's tough to uh tough to beat that price and um and from a bourbon standpoint uh i usually have a bottle of woodford double uh double oak in, in my uh absolutely my cabinet um i i do some barrel picks from time to time with uh with woodford it's a little bit different experience because it's not one barrel it's kind of a blend of barrels but uh they all turn out uh turn out really good but it's uh but yeah they're, they're standard bottles so it's so good yeah uh, as far as uh um, what was, I can't remember what your other question was. The same thing, but <laughs> unicorn. A, a unicorn, uh, like once, once, unicorn. once in a lifetime. Yeah, what's it like? Yeah, a couple once in a lifetime pours that you so, had. So a few years ago, um, we had an exclusive uh, Berry Brothers and Red um, uh, Bunna Haven. Um, it was a 26 year old um, uh, from 1987. And uh, it was bottled at sixty-four point four percent, and it was amazing. It's um, uh, the highest-rated uh, whiskey I've, I've ever I've ever scored. It wow. Was, uh, 
to, to my palate, it was near near flawless. Um, um, but yeah, it was it was so good. 60, uh, Sixty four is high for a uh, for a scotch that old, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Was, uh, I know that's jo- that's like Josh's unicorn because that's his birth year, and he oh, talks about that yeah. all the time. <laughs> Because he's had it, and oh really? He said I've, if he I've never had it, yeah. He's like, if I could ever find a sealed bottle of that, I would pay out the nose for it. So, <laughs> yeah. well, I do have one bottle. I'm waiting for that uh, kind of special occasion. Yeah. I'm not uh, you know reselling my bottles. As no, no, of course not. I'm not able to do that, but uh, but yeah, I will. I have a few of those uh, um, unicorns kind of tucked away for uh, for special occasions and good friends yeah when you even you shared a unicorn with all of us recently and that was the mccallan edition one for the mccallan tasting we did which is which a lot of people don't realize that you like you're you're fully embedded in the the whiskey community and fully part of it like you that was a gesture that oh yeah it's 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 incredible and it's it's very very kind to you because that's not that's not a bottle that that any of us are going to come by in our futures that's for sure yeah, that bottle didn't uh, it didn't even make it into retail at all. Um, they I can't remember where they launched it. If it was just um, um, uh, just overseas in Europe or or um, duty free maybe travel retail, but it, it never made it to Canada at all. Yeah, uh, it was only additions to uh, that they started um, started bringing into Canada. And uh, uh, yeah, I was just fortunate to obtain. A bottle uh, from a good friend, and and just wanted to share it with other friends that uh, whiskey enthusiasts. So yeah, which we very, appreciate that yeah. so much. I, I know Travis was over the moon when you reached out to him saying you could do that. So that was yeah, super generous of you. Yeah, we can't do an additions tasting without. Uh, no. Without <laughs> so, that's what no. I was thinking. I, I know it would have gone forward without with a lot without it, but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was an amazing tasting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, like I mentioned to you, right? We, we were talking to to Jeffrey, and um, it that was it was yeah, it was a fun tasting because you got to see the presentation side of things, and then you when you bring whiskey enthusiasts like that together, it's it's a unique moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was cool because everybody was you know behaving themselves through the tasting, and then kind of after the tasting hats came off ties got undone a little bit and <laughs> yeah and it was just cool because it was a group of whiskey nerds and nerding out on yeah, some just, really cool whiskeys passionate people yeah are there uh, are there any brands that you can spill the beans on coming into the market um one that i tried most recently that is coming in um is uh, widow jane um okay Berlin. yeah um i really i really thought it was well made um uh, it's one of the best whiskeys I've had this year so far. Um, so that one's coming in very soon. Um, and um, there's a few I'm working on, like in, in World Whiskey, uh, some single malts from, from France that are coming in. Oh, um, cool. Uh, Bre- uh, Bren? Uh, Bren is one of them. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and there's a couple others that are kind of on the luxury um, um, luxury. Um, yeah uh pack like fantastic packaging whiskey um is really good inside otherwise i wouldn't uh i wouldn't bother with it but the the packaging is really um uh, prestige for sure yeah for sure i i i echo your sentiment on the widow jane i really enjoy it myself too i've got a bottle up behind me that i've 
smuggled a few over the years across the border and they're doing they're doing some interesting things i think lisa their their head distiller blender is is really good at what she does too so i'm excited to have that brand here yeah i'm always looking for new brands to come in um but it's uh there's only so much we can do and so much time that i have to to properly launch them so we can only put our um uh, put our eggs in one basket type of thing uh but like we we launched a new riff um uh in alberta here uh, not long ago which uh which has gone over really well and and, um hope to at some point do a barrel pick uh with uh, them yeah yeah um penelope's been uh the same uh that program has been uh been well received here and you you got you got exclusive rights for the release on those I yeah, think right that's there, right. So, I th- uh, so Penelope was the initial launch in Canada. Um, uh, so it was exclusive to our stores. Um, and uh, New Riff, I think, is the same. Um, gotcha. The good thing about Alberta is that uh, it's a lot easier to bring whiskey in right away, whereas um, uh, with some of the government boards it's, uh, in the other provinces, it's a little tougher from what I understand. Uh, yeah, um, Alberta's but, pretty uh, quick. Yeah, we're <laughs> being a lot more flexible. It's it's more of my style to to be able to try things out. Well, then the nice thing about that is you can you don't have to bring massive massive quantities of of these U.S. products. You can you can bring them in and and launch them properly and and yeah, just kind of get them out to the drinkers, and then you can feed you kind of feed the stock after that once you've once you've done your your job, but. Yeah, and I'm always looking out to like listening to customers, reading a lot of materials and what's upcoming, what's mm-hmm. uh, what's doing well in, in other markets. And I um, probably unlike a lot of buyers, I like a lot of buyers kind of take what uh, what comes in and, they, and what's being offered to them. But I kind of go out and try to source my own uh, whiskeys and and go approach suppliers and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, the only other the only other section I really wanted to ask about was tequila. That's something I don't really know much about. And I've, my neighbor, one of my really good friends is a massive tequila fan. And is it, is it as active of a section as the whiskey? It is, it is. And there's a lot more, um, artisanal tequilas coming out as well, which, uh, um, uh, which is kind of like the small bourbon craft distilleries coming out. So it's, yeah. um, but it, uh, there's a lot of similarities to tequila, um, to whiskey. Um, so, um, especially when you get into the Reposados and the Anejos where you get some more of the vanilla notes and some of the, just kind of, um, a little more herbaceous, but, uh, but yeah, it's a growing, um, it's a very, uh, fast growing category. We're expanding that into our stores as much as possible. Yeah. I've been really kind of taking an eye on that and, and noticing how, how much it's been growing. And it's, it's one of those spirits categories that's full so far beyond the Jose Guervo at the bottom of the shelf kind of thing. Like it's, there's a whole world of flavor out there when it comes to tequila. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting one. Yeah, they really evolved the category to be more of a sipping, mm-hmm. um, sipping spirit versus just the shot occasion that uh, I remember from my parties <laughs> yeah. <laughs> years yeah. ago. But uh, uh, yeah, there's so many uh, good qualities, and, and even mezcal is uh, is growing within that uh, that um, category. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, um, a 
lot of Isla Scotch fans uh, are are gravitating towards mezcal for kind of a small penis. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed, and I've been talking to some whiskey drinkers that have also been talking about tequila and mezcal and how like how just how amazed they are with with what they've tried. And I know some of the bourbon community down south is is getting into it as the as the tequila and as the products kind of creep across the border. But it's, yeah, it's something that I would like to maybe get into a little bit more. I, I prefer it a bit more than I do like the rums and that kind of thing. So it's, uh, although the rum the rum section is also massive at Wine and Beyond as well. So there's clearly a good market for all that, but. Yeah, yeah, rum is uh, is one of our largest, uh, largest selling categories. It's, um, um, and it's gravitated again more towards the connoisseur of the sipping rums versus yeah. uh, um, a spiced rum and cola kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Then the mixing, the mixing rums kind of thing. Well, we won't uh, we won't keep you much longer. Uh, we yeah. We thank you so much, honestly, for coming on and chatting with us. I've been looking forward to this, and we've been putting it off because of obvious lockdowns and we've had some childcare issues going on. So we, I appreciate your patience, Ryan, and I appreciate all you do for the community and, and all you do for all you have done for the club and and continue to do. So thank you. Thank you so much, honestly. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. And, um, it's uh, been fantastic talking with you guys. Um, uh, happy you guys enjoyed the whiskeys. That sounds like you did. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, and, and I uh, actually appreciate you guys' support as well. Yeah, no, we're we're happy to support, and it's it's just one of those things where it's like rising tides. Everyone's got to everyone's got to kind of prop each other up so we can all be successful. So we'll uh yeah we're we're always gonna support you as long as you're picking good whiskey if you never need if you ever need help drinking whiskey it's something we're both very good at <laughs> but and maybe we'll maybe we'll see you down in kentucky one year <laughs> whether you like it or not just yeah, so you know just show up yeah. you get a lot of uh a lot of people offering to be an unpaid assistant when oh that's for sure it's uh it's yeah. uh um you guys in whiskey yeah it's uh, i just yeah it, we got to put our hat in the ring. That's just it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, thank you, sir. I really, really appreciate it. I uh, wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you. We'll talk Cheers. to you guys. Cheers. Cheers. See ya.